Welcome to the Revenue Cafe. The Revenue Cafe podcast is brought to you by Breadcrumbs, the revenue acceleration platform. In each episode, we will bring you interesting conversations on all things sales, marketing, and CX related. The hope is we will help you along the path to revenue acceleration and entertain you along the way. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of 10 Things with Breadcrumbs. We have Mike Knowles from Prophecy. They are a master data management platform. Please, Mike, correct me if I got that wrong. Um, good. If you, yeah, awesome. If uh, you guys are looking for a solution to help bring your data together, um, you should give them a look. It's prophecy.com. You can reach Mike at mike.nulls at prophecy.com. Um, as always, we're going to be talking about all things related to sales, marketing, revenue operations, um, and trying to make a connection to the challenges or opportunities that COVID uh, and just 2020 into 2021 has brought. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, awesome. I'm pumped to be here. And not to forget, uh, my partner in crime, Joe Eicher, is back on this episode and going to be contributing as well. Hey, hey Joe, welcome. Thanks. Appreciate it. Cool. Um, Mike, let's start kind of with the most obvious question, I guess, as the foundation. You know, 2020 was a crazy year. Um, any, like cool insights, anything that's, you know, changed your world, changed how you do business that you think would be worth talking about? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, as we all know, 2020 has been a, or it was a crazy year uh, for me personally. Uh, so I was actually part of the uh, people who got laid off because of COVID. So back in March, I was actually uh, let go from my previous company and Thankfully, at the time, I was living with my parents in their basement, so I, it, it wasn't so bad, you know. Yeah. Compared to others, where they had to, uh, you know, make ends meet, and had to worry about how to uh, provide, you know, for themselves and the, sure. their families. But um, no, it took me because of COVID and how I got laid off at the very beginning in March. There was such um, a big hiring freeze, so it took almost half a year for me to get my next role here at Prophecy. So yeah, I was just kind of catching up on things, learning about um, RevOps, kind of the rise of RevOps, uh, what they do. Because uh, I, I used to be in sales ops, not RevOps. Right. So I started learning more about that and kind of the benefits um, as opposed to having you know sales ops, marketing ops, and CX ops kind of siloed. Um, but really what I've learned so far, uh, you know, during my time at Prophecy and part of 2020 while I was working is you've got to do more with less, um, especially with the economic conditions, you know, you don't have the budget or money to hire more headcount or to buy these tools that maybe you're not maximizing. Right. So I think that that's the biggest thing I've learned, uh, do more with less. For sure. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's been a, just a reality in business for like decades, maybe COVID threw a little gas on the fire. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's, a, a, that's a fair point. But you brought up something that I think would be super interesting to anyone listening, which is, 
you know, this the rise of RevOps re revenue operations as a as a function, as a way of structuring your teams. If you were to, you know, succinctly describe what that is, right? Um, what what would that sound like? Is it is it, you know, I think a lot of people just think it's the kind of the collapsing or the joining of marketing ops, sales ops, and and you know, customer success, customer support operations into one function. Is that all it is? Is there more to it in your opinion? Yeah, I would say it's um, it, it's a lot deeper than that. I think it's not just the um, merging of you know sales ops, marketing ops, and CX ops. It's the kind of alignment of all of them. It's not breaking silos because I think you still need silos. You kind of need your functions, you know, people in different roles. But it's kind of getting everyone on the same page and not duplicating efforts across your tech stack, across your processes, because when prospects are buying from you, they're not buying from, you know, the marketing function or the, the sales, you know, direct sales function. They're buying from one company. So everyone's got to be uh, singing the same tune, kind of, they all need to be aligned. And that's exactly what it does. It's a tough job because a lot of the time they're the first person in RevOps is kind of there being a team of one for a while until the value of the function has been proven out. And sometimes right. it takes years for, for companies to catch on, but it's powerful when you get it right. Joe, do you, do you know anything about that? Yeah. Uh, I was in a RevOps role prior to, to joining breadcrumbs. I, I'd be curious, uh, Mike, you said that you were, you were in more of a sales, uh, sales ops role before kind of that, that layoff time and then joined into a RevOps. What were some of like the biggest challenges or things you had to catch up on, um, when you finally joined prophecy in a RevOps role? Yeah. So my prior role, um, I was just kind of focused on the sales team. So mainly net and you working with the AEs. I never really had the chance to work with uh, the marketing team um, in more of an operational role like marketing ops. So when I first came to Prophecy, that was brand new to me, kind of working with our marketing automation system. We use Pardot, uh, working with data vendors like ZoomInfo, TechTarget, um, how we structure campaigns, how we do lead routing with inbound leads. Kind of all this was new to me, but I was able to pick it up really quickly because it's it really, it's, it's an extension of sales ops. It's not so much different. It's all tied to kind of one goal that's in maximizing conversion rate, increasing the win rate, decreasing sales cycle and in increasing ASP. So it's all tied together. Yeah. Yeah. I think in my experience, that was something I, I experienced. Well, I, I must, I'm a sales guy myself, worked in a RevOps role and, and got kind of brought into the marketing uh, world a lot more. Um, one of the bigger challenges I had was to then also get brought into more of the, the CX roles. Um, what are some of the things that you've experienced uh, in kind of bridging that gap over to the, the customer success teams and the tools they use or the challenges that they, they face with existing customers? Yeah, so I had the chance to work a little bit with the CX kind of ops team back at my previous company, but at Prophecy, um, and I, this isn't unique just to Prophecy, but I think a lot of companies, they a lot of their CX functions are very um, immature relative to their, for example, their sales and marketing ops functions. 
Um, you don't really have playbooks, renewal playbooks, upsell playbooks um, kind of ironed out. Uh, maybe you're not proactively creating renewal ops and Salesforce and tracking them. Um, there's just a slurry of kind of things that you need to address to, to get it mature, to, to match, you know, sales ops and marketing ops. So that's the biggest thing I've, I've noticed that it's just very immature, maybe because it's a newer function. You never really used to have CX ops. So that could be it probably. Yeah. Do you see that as like a bigger opportunity then for, for folks in RevOps roles is to incorporate that more into the overall RevOps team? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, that's how companies, uh, SaaS companies make most of their money, as you guys know. It's through upsells, renewals, expansions. So for, it has to be a priority. Um, and yeah. it's cool that it's brand new. Because, you know, the new RevOps folks who go to these companies without really a structured CX ops function, they can build it from the ground up and kind of incorporate best practices, collaborate with leadership to kind of get it going. Yeah, I think you guys are hitting on like a, just a natural evolution. You know, obviously sales has always been revenue focused. That's their reason for being. Um, marketing over the last, I would say, 20 years have definitely, you know, moved away from the traditional connotations around advertising or, you know, uh, more awareness brand related functions and are definitely like focused on, on revenue, attribution, more measurable activities. And, you know, CX functions are just earlier on that maturity curve, right? Like, in the past, they've been concerned with like, um, you know, uh, NPS scores and CSAT scores, and you know, making sure people are happy, and 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 that's great because that's there's a direct correlation with expansion revenue, retention numbers, and all that kind of stuff. But you know, getting closer to the revenue as the metric, be it revenue retention or revenue expansion, that's just the natural progression, and 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 so putting all of that under a single operational layer. Um, just makes total sense um, in my view. At this point, I, I'd have to like I'd be remiss if I didn't make a, a shout out to my my good friend Jason Reichel at a company called Go Nimbly. Um, they're definitely kind of like leaders in this RevOps space. And you know, Jason, I think would say, and he'll correct me at some point if I'm if I'm misquoting him here, that really RevOps is about finding like actual operational changes across that entire like customer journey that ultimately positively impact revenue, right? So like it could be, you know, within your sales stages, you know, you notice like a massive drop in conversion after sending out a um, proof of concept proposal or something. So you identify that you're like, okay, what are the elements in this sales stage and what are the things that we can tweak to actually fix that? Um, and that should, that's really what RevOps should be. But I think in some companies, it's, it's more about just, you know, the plumbing for like the maintaining the plumbing for the status quo, maybe doing some reporting, but it's not really about operationally attacking problems. Would you say that's true in general? And, 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 you know, is that the case of prophecy? Oh yeah, that's, that's very true, especially for companies 
who have just maybe introduced RevOps or maybe had sales ops and marketing ops and consolidated all of them into one, like RevOps. Mm. I think for those companies, a lot of the time RevOps is, um, they're firefighters. They're very reactive. They're kind of told what to do. They go do it. They build reports in Salesforce, for example. They troubleshoot. They kind of keep the status quo going instead of being proactive. And I think you, it takes time to build trust and to really prove out the value and kind of get a seat at the table and become an advisor. But I think with a lot of companies who are new to RevOps, um, RevOps starts as kind of a doer, um, order taker, and then naturally they become that advisor um, to everybody, the CRO, VP of sales, VP of marketing, SDR team, kind of everybody at the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I think again, to to kind of lean on Jason's worldview, and I, I'm really aligned. I think, you know, RevOps as a function will really start to add incremental value to businesses when people in those roles are actually acting as operators, right? Where like, we're, we're actually changing, experimenting, optimizing different operational elements across you know the entire journey across all of those functions when that becomes a reality in a company i think they're going to unlock you know they're going to unlock some serious uh, upside in my opinion yeah cool um so like you mentioned that you you know uh, unfortunately you know casualty of covid early on luckily found a, a great opportunity a prophecy um, was there a little bit of like cause and effect there? Was like, w- was Prophecy looking to do RevOps as a result of COVID? Was it just coincidence? Like what's, what's the story there? Yeah, I think it was kind of a bit of both. I think it was just perfect timing, coincidence. Maybe the hiring freezes kind of wore off a little bit towards September. And I finally, you know, found a breakthrough at a, at a company like this, but, uh, I think maybe it's a realization as well of, yeah, we need RevOps because we need to do more with less. We kind of need to get our processes straightened. We need to get our data cleaned up, not just for the current state, but for the future. Because they're private equity backed, but you know they want to expand. They want to grow their team. They want to grow their revenues. So in order to do that, I think they realized, okay, we need to hire somebody in this role not for today, but for six months, one year out. Cool. So what, so I guess just to like continue the thread a little bit, the, any of the challenges that came with, you know, 2020 realities, be it like remote work or, you know, any other challenges that you might have experienced, has that impacted the role? Has that impacted how you do things, priorities, tactics, uh, anything interesting there that you care to share? Yeah, I think, you know, traditionally you had your sales reps and territories kind of based on geographies and there would be a lot of kind of in-person travel, especially for these bigger deals and enterprise. Yeah. But with COVID, of course, you know, everyone's working from home. Everyone's doing, you know, Zooms, uh, Teams, sending emails back and forth. So I think there is a huge kind of gap when Companies move to um, 
work from home, for example, there was such, there's such a lack of asynchronous selling, I think, because, you know, it used to be in person kind of, you know, we never used to have the need to do that kind of stuff. Right. For example, instead of sending a proposal, a PDF proposal via email and then setting up a meeting, why not just set up an interactive deal room with the, you know, pricing, kind of the impact, the summary, all that kind of stuff and have your champion sell on you or sell yeah, on your behalf when you're not selling. Right. Why not just instead of using a canned video on YouTube, that's maybe like more marketing focused. Why not just use a screen recording platform like Loom and make it personalized, send it out to somebody and they're going to, chances are they're going to send it to other people. And that's how, you know, things are going to get done in this remote world. So right. big technology gap, I think that companies are, are missing out and starting to fill the gaps right now. For sure. Yeah. So I this, think, sorry, Joe, just before you jump in the, the deal room, like, is that a, are you guys using some cool tech for that? Like, what does that look like? Not yet. We're okay. working towards it though. So, uh, you know, these um, tech providers like Deal Hub, a uh, great tool, by the way, they have this virtual deal room where kind of you have the proposal, you have all the info, not just for the champion and whoever you're sending it to, but maybe the economic buyer. You have the metrics um, laid out there for them. And you can kind of, it's, it's shareable. It's like a microsite. You can add people to it. They can add comments to it. You can see who's viewed it, what page, when, for how long, that kind of stuff. So it makes it super cool. You can understand, you know, what's working, what's not, um, who's engaged. And if someone isn't engaged and they need to be engaged, you know, what's the plan to, to get them engaged? Yeah, that's cool. Sorry, Joe, I cut you off. What were you going to say, my friend? Yeah, no worries. Um, it was pretty similar, actually, in a way. I mean, I think you brought up asynchronous selling as sort of kind of a newer thing um, with COVID. And I think that kind of co goes along with just SaaS selling in general. I think a lot more younger buyers are out there, right? And they want to buy oh, yeah. on their terms, right? Um, and they don't necessarily want to sit through a prolonged sales cycle and all that. So... Uh, it sounds like, yeah, there's some some tools that you guys are potentially using to enable that. What were some of the things um, that or some of the learnings you had um, with COVID now in, in like trying to sell in this kind of new day and age where everything's more hosted online, where you've got people viewing videos instead of listening to pitches? Yeah, I think you've got to be on at all times. It's, it's tough uh, because everyone's more available, but they're more busy as well you know our calendars are booked but the thing is they're not traveling so i mean it's easy to set up a zoom meeting to discuss something for 30 minutes through these you know small check-ins doesn't have to be like an hour-long meeting like it used to be i think just keeping up to date and getting in in front of someone's face i think it's it's harder to do without asynchronous selling and tools like like a loom or a deal hub for example Got it. Have you, has your team caught on to like text message, like communication and things like that? Or have you not gone that far? Not yet, man. <laughs> <laughs> what well, one step at a time. Yeah. We're working towards it. Maybe, you know, got it. Joe, are you using looms? 
Uh, I have in the past, for sure. Um, I, you know, my whole goal is to find as many ways to help kind of enable those champions, like you said, Mike, enable yeah. them to kind of do your job for you um, after you've made those first uh, couple calls. Because um, I think most organizations are just inherently flatter than they were, um, yeah. you know, years ago. And so, you know, you can sell to your, your one person, but they've got to go talk to four other departments to get buy-in on some of this technology now. Um, and they don't want to sit through, you know, a demo every time. Right. Oh, yeah. So, so having a loom video where you can show the, the value having, you know, proposals uh, built in a way that, you know, they're easily distributed, uh, distributed, and then tracking stuff for the reps that are doing it. Like we use HubSpot and being able to track who's viewed what documents and when they've opened emails, like it's all, it's all super important to just kind of make the friction a lot less for, for both the sellers and the buyers, I think. Yeah. What, what else are you guys using? Kind of curious for asynchronous selling. Uh, it's mostly it's mostly HubSpot tools right now, and um, and then um, things like Vidyard um, for like you know uploading quick videos um, or you know quick demos stuff like that. Um, there's lots of cool technology out there that we've that I've used in the past though. Um, you know I'm even looking at new things that do like uh, demos of your product for you um, that can you know you can can distribute into the team uh, that you're selling to and they can give you like a live uh, kind of copy of your environment um, for demoing purposes. So even getting down to like demoing the environment in a way that is asynchronous would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like uh, just to add it from like a broader strategy perspective, we have this like freemium flywheel motion um, where we're serving everybody from like, you know, small, very small businesses all the way up to like large mid market. And any one of them can jump into our free offering and play with it, right? So you can try before you buy, which is like the most, uh, I think, um, asynchronous selling motion you can do, right? Like it's up to the prospect to discover and then, you know, we engage at the right time to try and, and convert them to, to a customer. So, um, yeah, from a strategy perspective, that's one of the things that we're doing. Does that resonate with you, Joe? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of businesses, yeah, they do. They do. Uh, they try to get as close as they can to freemium, right? By by, you know, sign up for a demo, you know, providing videos and stuff online. But as soon as you you unlock just straight up freemium, then you've got a whole different sales cycle that uh, that allows people to like product qualify themselves right off the bat. Right. Um, and you're not having to worry about, um, do they even know what to talk? Like, do they know what to click on? Do they know where to look? Do they know where to like find the immediate value? Uh, they've already done that. Yeah. Product like growth is yeah brand new. It's uh super cool. Like you can integrate your product and track usage. And then, yeah, like you said, what it was it called product qualified lead or something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For sure. Um, cool. Listen, uh, so we talked a little bit about 2020. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the rise of RevOps. Um, what does all of this look like in 2021? We're like a, a quarter of the way through. Um, you know, obviously people have done a ton of pivoting in t over the course of 2020. What's this year look like? Um, any kind of key strategies, any tactical shifts, any 
predictions in terms of what the world's going to look like by the end of the year? Man, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, really more the same, kind of the same theme as 2020, like do more with less. Um, and naturally you're going to have to, because you're not going to have as much money as you used to in the past to, to buy stuff and hire more people. So one cool thing we've been doing at Prophecy is we're trying to get the data in front of the people who really need it. So the reps and the leaders. So you know how in kind of like old school, uh, someone would come to you with a report that needed to be done in Salesforce, kind of, hey, you know, I need this report. Can you do it for me? So what, we, we're, what we're doing right now is we're rolling out Clary, and it's super cool. You can kind of set up views and have the reps and leaders actually go in and just, yeah, play around with the data, group it, kind of look at the filters, that kind of stuff. So you get them in there instead of them having to come to you. They're immersed with the data. They know more what's going on with their deals than they would have if they had just, you know, come to me, hey, I need a report. Um, but yeah, mm. just making it more accessible, the data. For sure. Yeah, I, I also think that that's been a trend for a long, a long time, kind of like, um, you know, I ran a project at a previous company called uh, Project Data Democracy, um, just getting, getting, to, getting the information into the hands of people that need it without having to use an intermediary. Um, I, I think that's important. Um, I think the bigger opportunity though, and, and um, one that's harder is actually like delivering insights, right? Like sometimes the data, the numbers, the reports, they just become routine, mundane, you know what I mean? They're, they're, you're going through the motions um, and really what's important is like, what insight can you glean from the data? Go, tying back to this idea of RevOps people actually being operators, right? Like what, what insight can I glean from the data that I can use to inform an operational element, like change a tactic, change a field on a form, uh, change an SLA, you know, whatever it is that, that is ultimately going to impact the numbers I see on that report. Right. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just getting the report. Yeah, I think you need to visualize the data. I think you need to make it very friendly to see what's going on. So Clary does a good job with that. And I think, what do you want to call it? Tertiary data points, like activity, uh, emails, meetings, kind of files sent. I think that's a great thing to look at. For example, let's say a CSM is working on a renewal three months out and you see that we've sent them 20 emails or so this is extreme but 20 emails or so over the past month and they haven't returned one single email you, you can take a look at that and say okay you know maybe we need to change up our approach and you, you wouldn't be able to get that like from a field or um, a calculation or anything like that you just kind of you need to look at it from a tertiary uh, data point like that, like activity. For sure. Cool. Um, listen, to, to kind of wind, wind down the conversation, um, you know, given the experience that you've had over the last little while, the learnings around the last couple of years, what, you know, what kind of two or three pieces of 
guidance or, or, you know, tips, whatever term you want to use, would you give to somebody, you know, whether they're starting off in the RevOps world, whether they've been doing it for a while, what are like the two or three things that you think have allowed you to do your job well, would help people, you know, succeed in that, in that space? Yeah. So I've got two big things, uh, for all those people out there who want to get into RevOps, uh, first, um, learn it as much as you can. Um, so I use Google all the time. It's so, you know, old school and I use medium too. kind of just, I'm, I'm on there all the time, just looking at bite sized articles and information. Um, just kind of, you know, getting my reps in just continually learning, kind of understanding best practices, that kind of stuff. It's kind of hard to do because RevOps is kind of new. There isn't so much content out there like there is for sales and like sales methodology, that kind of stuff. But just, yeah, just get into it, learn as much as you can. And the second thing is be involved in the community. So a lot of new RevOps um, groups and communities are popping up. So for example, this isn't specific to RevOps, but Rev Genius, Modern Sales Pros, RevOps Co-op, Wizards of Ops, like all these new communities are kind of popping up. So join, um, engage, kind of, yeah, make make some friends and connections because a lot of the time, like we're, we're a team of one. We don't have anyone to vent to or kind of complain to, you know? So, mm. yeah, make friends with people in the same kind of um, area as you. So you can kind of like, you know, just vent, talk to each other, bounce ideas off each other too. So For sure. that's what I would say. Cool. Joe, any any final questions, thoughts, comments? No, not for myself. It was uh, it was awesome hearing uh, your experience, Mike. Um, super glad that you could jump in and, and talk about it. Oh, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for yeah, having Mike, me. Yeah, Mike, really, really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Hope everyone out there uh, enjoyed the conversation. Again, if you're looking for a master data management solution, you might want to consider checking out Prophecy. You can reach Mike at mike.nulls at prophecy.com. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Joe, thanks for jumping on, as well as Mike. Really, really appreciate the time. And... Uh, Everyone stay tuned. There's There'll be another episode coming shortly. Thanks for listening the full episode. Make sure you subscribe the social media links below. For a more detailed info about what we do, take a look at breadcrumbs.com.